The dog training world is massive. Everybody has their own training styles, and you know people even argue about training styles. But I think one thing that everyone can agree with is the value of prevention. What do I mean by that? I'll explain a little bit more next. Right, let's get this week's episode going. Hey everybody, I am Jake from On Dog Training Academy. We are an online dog training company. We are putting out courses. We are doing one-on-one virtual training. It's all very exciting and I think very helpful. A lot of people are like, really? Virtual training? Can I really teach my dog things from the comfort of my home? And the answer is absolutely. We are here to help you guys, so definitely check us out on dogtrainingacademy.com. On this week's episode, I was going to do this last week, and obviously things switched around. If you listened to last week's episode, you kind of understand why I felt the urgency to cover what I covered. This week, though, I want to cover the power of prevention. Again, like I said in the intro, I do believe there are a lot of different training methods out there, styles out there, and a lot of dog trainers, sadly, argue with each other about which one's the best and, and, and fight over it. And you see these posts and comments and these spats on on social media, and it's just, there's not a lot that, that trainers can agree on, it seems like, but I think this is one of them. I think if you talk to any trainer, or at least most of them, I think there's always going to be one who's just looking to go against the grain. But if you talk to all the trainers, I think one thing that they will all agree on is that prevention is extremely important, not just for behavior issues, but just for creating a dog that is going to be a good member of your family, of society, of whatever. Preventing things from happening is just important. I don't even know how else to say it. But we're going to dive into a couple, uh, maybe a few, I'm trying to look at my list here, I think a few different things um, that I'd like to cover when it comes to prevention. The first one, and I think this one's probably, in my opinion, one of the more important parts of it, is just training. Training is going to help prevent issues from spawning up. Training is always, training should rather be a, a, a prevention tool rather than like the solution to an issue, right? So I'll give you an example. Um, your dog your dog pulls on a leash, right? Well, instead of taking your dog into classes early on and saying, I want a teach, to teach my dog not to pull on leash ever, a lot of people wait. And then the dog grows up, gets big, and they're like, okay, I'm going to go to class now. To, to learn how to stop my dog from doing something they're already doing. But if they would get ahead of it, if they, if they got into the game, and you might hear me, you've heard me in past episodes talk about being proactive instead of reactive. Going to class and looking for a solution is being reactive. Going to class and looking for prevention, that is being proactive. And I think if more people just start to think about that, They look at, and I've said this before again, you put out your goals. Here's what I want my dog to be able to do. Here's my vision of what I want my dog to be. And you do this as a puppy. 
but this doesn't just pertain to puppies, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. It doesn't just pertain to puppies. You make a list. This is what I want my dog to be. Now, to be fair, and I do believe this is going to be a future episode, don't be unrealistic. Hell, I might have already done this. I feel like I've already talked about this. Um, don't be unrealistic with what your expectations are for your dog. Be realistic. Don't be like, well, you know, I have a, a, a little chihuahua and uh, I want it to be the best mountain climbing dog ever, right? Obviously, it's going to have limitations, physical limitations, of course. You know, or if you say, "Oh, I got this, I got this old English bulldog, and uh, I'm going to run a marathon with the, with him," again, that's unrealistic. Now, someone might chime in and say, "Well, I've done it," and I, I don't think so, but maybe I'm wrong. But you see what I'm saying? Be realistic with what your goals are, but say, "Here's kind of my expectations of kind of how I'd like my dog to be. I want my dog to be good with my kids and not jump on them. I want my dog to be okay with going on walks. I want my dog to." Not jump, not be crazy, not do whatever. I don't know. Pick all your goals, whatever they are. Make them realistic. But you're doing this before you get the dog in the perfect world. Or after you get the dog, you start to develop a plan. Having that plan is important. But part of that plan is going to be prevention. Okay, how do I stop it? Well, like like we're going to talk about, like we've been talking about, the training part of it I think is so important. Taking your dog to classes to prevent that under-socialized behavior, to prevent excessive pulling on leash, to prevent jumping, you know, getting in, reading books about training, taking online courses, that might be a small plug for for us there, but taking online courses, doing virtual or in-person privates to be able to get ahead of things, be like, you know what, my dog might be a hiking dog, so I need to make sure he's he's good with wearing a harness or backpack or whatever. I'd like your guidance with this. You know, so there's a lot of things you can do. The other thing is is understanding um, prevention when it comes to training. So like, let's say your dog is afraid of something. I've talked about this in past episodes as well. There's two different ways you go about it. You can counter condition or you can desensitize. Now, they're both very similar in my opinion when it comes to the treatment. But the mindset of the dog is different, right? So counter conditioning is taking something that your dog already perceives. Um, an example could be other dogs are scary. So your dog, your dog thinks other dogs are scary. So in counter conditioning, now you're going to kind of retrain the brain and how it processes other dogs. And obviously, I'm not going to sit here and spend a bunch of time and tell you how to do that. That is something we cover one on one. Um, or you would cover with a professional just because every case is a little bit different. But counter conditioning is changing the way the brain is perceiving that situation or that object or that whatever. Desensitizing is, in my opinion, it's taking something that's sort of new or they really don't have a preconceived really idea about it and making the dog okay with it. Um, the best the best example, I think, for for counter conditioning or desensitization would be a hunting dog with gunfire so counter conditioning would be the dog already hears the gunfire and is scared of it and you're now going to train the brain to not be afraid of the gunfire associate it differently desensitizing would be hey you've never heard gunfire i'm going to make sure that what you hear is positive and what you hear makes you think yeah it's not a big deal no big deal 
gunfire eh, doesn't mean much. I don't care about gunfire. So that's kind of how I, maybe other trainers would say, well, we think counter conditioning, desensitization are, are categorized a little bit different, but that's kind of how I look at it. One is an idea that is already in place. One is the dog really doesn't know much about it. And we're going to train the dog on how to process that situation. Now, now how dogs process situations, that is always a tricky thing, right? Like you need to, this is where prevention is going to help you out a ton. You need to make sure that when you are exposing your dog to certain things, that you're trying to set them up with the best possible outcome. And I understand it's not always perfect. I understand that, that, you know, surprises happen, but if we can do more positives than negatives, we're going to end up ahead. So, so, um, you know, things in your lifestyle that are going to help you with prevention, I think are, are just the freedoms you give your dog. People love to give their dogs these, these privileges, I guess I would call them, very fast. You're going to have free run of the house. You're going to get to go into every room. I'll let you sleep in bed with me. You don't need a kennel. You know, you're going to, have, you're going to be able to do basically whatever you want. You're going to have free access to water. Maybe I free feed you so you can have free access to food. All of these things. In the perfect world, your dog can handle all of them. But the likelihood, especially early on with young dogs, they're not going to. You've given your dog too much. So you need to help and think ahead. And again, you can start, even if your dog is, is showing issues with certain things, you can put prevention in place at any time. It doesn't mean, oh, well, my dog's older, I, I can't do it. You can do it at any time. So what can you do with your lifestyle stuff? Gates. Gates are great. Let's start to close this dog's world off a little bit, right? Uh, doors. The simple act of closing a door. I grew up in a house that closed bathroom doors for various reasons. They would always close the bathroom door when they were done. And I think people either that don't have dogs or for whatever reason... They're just different than, I guess, how I was raised. I'm not sure. Leave doors open. We deal with it here. Clients will come in. They'll use a bathroom in our area, our classroom area. And then when they leave, they leave the door open. Well, that invites a dog to go into the bathroom and check out what's in there. Then the dog starts to learn, oh, shredding, shredding paper products like toilet paper, paper towels, things like that are fun. Getting into the bathroom garbage. Well, that's fun because there's things in there that are very interesting. Drinking toilet bowl water because people don't put the lid down. Just put the lid down. It's not hard. Just boop, put the lid down. But if you close that door, you're helping prevent possible issues from popping up. And it's safety, right? Like, dog's not going to get into the chemicals. So by just preventing, by just helping a little bit and closing that door, you could potentially be holding off issues that would later on haunt you and you'd be regretting something simple like closing a door, something simple like putting some gates up. And I get people who are like, you know, I just don't like the look of an exercise pen or a gate or, or anything like that. Or I like keeping my doors open for airflow. I don't like the look of things being closed or having these things all over the house. And my, my answer to that is very simple. Short-term discomfort can lead to long-term uh Success. I kind of botched the saying that should have gone a lot smoother. But short-term discomfort will give you long-term success. 
yeah, okay, you got to live with Gates for a year or two years. But you know what? If you do it successfully, you're going to have eight, ten, or more years where you're going to have a house exactly how you want it because you've taught your dog through the training that we talked about ahead of time because training helps to, to trump a lot of issues. If you can get really good, solid training on your dog, you can communicate to your dog so much easier about what they can do, what they can't do, what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. And then with the prevention in their lifestyle stuff, now you're able to really set them up for success. So now those little accidents, oh, I didn't see my dog go to the bat, go into the bathroom and they chewed up the paper towel roll or toilet paper roll, whatever. That's a problem. Or like I said earlier about mm, giving them unlimited access to water or food. Well, darn, my dog sucked down an entire bowl of water. I wasn't paying attention, and then they peed all over the floor. Now I'm having potty training issues, but it's because I didn't think about preventing these things from happening in the first place. So those really help. The other one when it comes to your lifestyle is a crate. I don't care if your dog is 8 weeks old, 8 years old, 18 years old. I think the crate is a valued tool that is going to help you for the dog's entire Life. You can say, well, my dog's been my dog's older. I trust him in the house. They don't get into anything. I don't do crate training anymore. And I say, you're foolish for that. I think it's absolutely foolish to abandon. If your dog has been good in a crate, I think it's really foolish to just abandon the crate altogether. Our dog is almost seven, which is crazy to think about. But our dog is almost seven. I trust him loose in the house. He's upstairs, as I'm recording this, he's upstairs on his own hanging out with our cats. With that being said, when we leave the house, or at night, or just throughout the day if we want a break from him, he goes to his kennel. He loves his kennel. And it's not because he's going to his kennel because I don't trust him. He's going to his kennel because I never want to lose that valued tool. That valued tool can pre- be a prevention instrument for the dog's entire life. Because, yeah, you could say you want it early on when the dog's young. Guess what? That's not the only time you're going to run into things that maybe you need to work on. Dogs change throughout their lives. Maybe your dog gets injured and you need them to be created for safety so they can help heal. Well, if your dog doesn't like kennels anymore because you stopped training them or stopped working them in the kennel, you could have a problem. could add insult to injury. So the kennel... Hugely, hugely important. I don't understand why people like to get rid of kennels so fast. I think they are something that that you should have and use periodically. I'm not saying your dog has to always be kenneled or anything like that. No, but having it be something that the dog continues to use throughout its whole life will come back to reward you in the end, I promise. The last thing that I'll kind of talk about here, when you're doing prevention... And you're doing the dog training, you're doing the lifestyle stuff. What this really helps, and when I say training, I also mean socializing. Taking your dog out for social events, things like that, keeping it positive, that's all going to make everything better. But when you, when you do all this, when you combine all of this together, one thing I've noticed it really helps with are these surprise situations. The ones where the people were like, well, I, well, I couldn't be ready for it. I didn't see it coming. The more you do training, the more you control their lives, the more you do the socializing, that's going to help make surprises less dramatic. Your dog's going to get surprised by something. Somebody stops over or you go somewhere and something weird happens. Well, because you've done the training, you're ready. You're prepared for, the, for something that's unexpected. 
I always like to be prepared if I can help it, having treats, leash, whatever you need. But I think just doing all of that, being prepared as often as you can, sets you up for when you aren't prepared. When you when something just pops up out of nowhere, someone just randomly stops by, a train suddenly goes by or something like that when you're at the park. I say that from experience. And you've done so much where the dog's like, oh, that's a surprise thing. That's a loud noise. But you've trained me around loud noises. That doesn't really bug me. And then you can continue to work. And you're like, well, everything I just did with prevention and training and not allowing, this is the other thing, not allowing, let's say that train, being being aware of, hey, if I take my dog to this park, there's a chance that there's going to be a really loud noise that's going to spook my dog. So prevention would be, I'm not going to go to that park until I feel like my dog can handle loud noises or I'm going to be prepared for when I get to the park, I'm going to have really good treats. And if that train comes, I am ready with a plan on how to deal with it. That to me, that to me is prevention. That is so important. So guys, that is all I'm going to do for this, this week. I feel like I could go on and on and on and on about this. Um, but I'm going to just let it sit with this for now. Let you guys kind of hopefully learn from it, apply what you need to apply. And, and obviously, if you feel like I need to cover more, I always say jump on our socials. So we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, but you can look us up. You can look up On Dog Training Academy. You can also look up Learn, Laugh, Bark podcast. Um, and on Facebook, you can go on there and you can leave comments and let us know what you want to hear, what topics you'd like us to cover. If you feel like something in here brought up another idea or a question, put it into... You know, you can send me a private message, which a lot of people do through the Learn, Laugh, Bark uh, podcast on Facebook. You can certainly send me a private message through that and say, hey, I think this maybe you, sh- you should cover this or whatever. Um, and, and just let me know. I always want to cover what you guys want to hear. But thank you guys so much for listening this week. Hopefully this was helpful for you. Hopefully you guys take something away from that. And you know what? If, if this didn't help you, but you feel like it could help somebody else that you know, share this episode with them. We want as many people to be educated. We want as many rock star dogs as absolutely possible because you know what? It means less dogs in shelters. It means more happy homes. It means less heartbreak. And that is always something we are going out there as a goal to achieve. So thank you guys so much. And of course, like always, we'll see you next week.